Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from First Orlando. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at firstorlando.com. And if you're in the Orlando area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now, enjoy this podcast from First Orlando. If I know anything about Father's Day, like Mother's Day, it carries a lot of emotion. Some of you are going through the first Father's Day since your dad has passed. I walked up on a couple of guys this morning that I knew. It's tough. Called a couple of ladies that had lost their dad, and it's hard. My dad's been gone a, a long time, and I, man, for some reason. You never forget. You never forget. God blessed me with a great father. But I know at the same time that it's, it's filled with emotion. That, that there's emotions like, I can't do this. I just don't think I'm being a good dad. And there's probably not a man in this room that, that has come in today thinking, I got it. I got it. I'm it. I'm all that. I mean, I have figured it out. I know how to be a dad. I had figured it out, and then we had children. And it was really <laughs> a disaster from there. But I want to encourage you, because you know what I believe the series we're in about the Holy Spirit? It's a transforming power. It's a transforming power. And to every dad in this room, every dad that's streaming today, in fact, to every one of us, this power is available. This power is living in us. And if you've never trusted Jesus, it can live in you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. And you're going to hear a testimony of the evidence of that. We could go back to the Old Testament and see characters that, that experienced it. But I want, to, I want to talk about one that we always, I, I like to go to him because I identify with him in so many ways. His name is Simon Peter. He's one of the disciples. And Simon Peter was a fisherman. And, and remember, he's the one who didn't want to follow Jesus because he thought he was a sinner and he wasn't worthy to follow. And dads, we've all felt that. But Jesus receives sinful men and broken dads. And so Simon Peter followed him. And what you see in Simon Peter are some things that I think we, we share in common with him. Number one, Simon Peter meant well, but he still failed. He meant well. Man, he had a passion to be there for Jesus, a passion not to, not to give in and not to fall away. And, and he's the one that said, no, no, you don't have to go to a cross. He's the one that said, Jesus, no matter what happens, I'm going to be there for you. And then he failed. You see, I don't know a dad that ever thinks, I want to ruin my family. I want to destroy my kids' lives. No. What dad thinks that? Every dad I know has these ambitions. I want to be the best dad possible. And you have all these goals and all these aspirations and then only to see failure and it just cripples you. It destroys you. Simon Peter was a classic failure. And so he comes to us today out of the pages of the scriptures. as a great example. Dads, you're going to fail. You have failed. Though we never intended it. And some of us, it's just intimidation. 
It's just the thought of being a father, and, and what am I supposed to do with these little humans that God has given me? Man, the first time I held my firstborn, my son, it just hit me. I get to be his dad, but, but then it was like, oh, what do I do now? Peter was intimidated. He stood at a fire, and he warmed himself, and there's a little girl there. We don't know how old she was, but she was a very young girl, according to the Scripture. And that little girl looks at him and says, hey, you were, you were one of the disciples, weren't you? He goes, nope. Said it again. You were one of the disciples. Nope. Three times. In fact, the last time he just cussed, he threw in a little language so that to throw her off. He couldn't even stand for Jesus in front of a little girl. Dad, you've been there, haven't you? I have. Man, I'd do anything in the world to save my kids. I'd do anything in the world to come to the rescue. And then in those moments, we have the chance, and we just fold up like a cheap chair. I remember the closest I've ever come to getting in fights as an adult was because of my kids coming to their rescue. We were at a water park in Texas. I can describe the park to you. And there was this kid, and he was taking the water, and he was using it like this spray, and he was spraying my kids in their eyes. And my kids were crying, and I went over to him and said, hey, son, can you, can you not spray them? And he just kept doing it, and I said, son, please quit. And about that time, his dad showed up. And I looked at his dad and thought, hmm, how big a boy are you? He was big. <laughs> and we were eye to eye. But I just said, no, I'm not backing down. I just said, sir, you need to control your kid. And he really didn't appreciate that fatherly advice. <laughs> but I'd do it again. Why? They're your kids. Simon Peter said, Jesus, I'm going to die with you. And, and even when the moment happened and they came to arrest him, remember what Simon Peter did? He got a knife. He's the one that drew the sword, cut the guy's ear off. And Jesus had to look at him and say, I, I, I don't need your help. I need your trust. Dads, no matter how passionate you are today, you have fear too. And one of the number one fear that we deal with is failure. I don't want to fail. I don't want to disappoint my kids. Or I don't want to disappoint my family. And there's just something. I, I, I want the respect, but I want to earn the respect. And I remember a just crazy thing. I I wanted our family to go on a mission trip, and why would choose Africa, Zambia, Africa? They were little. The kids were small. And so here we are flying to Zambia, Africa. Why couldn't I have chosen Alabama or something? I mean, something close. But I chose Africa, and so here we are flying over the equator. And as we went over the equator, it was really, really rough, really rough. Some of you that fly, you know, when you hit the equator, you're going to know you're going over the equator. And I remember sitting in that seat going, God, what have I done? I have got my whole family, and I talked them into this, and they're going to all die. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. Is I'm just, and, and I began to all of a sudden think about all the other things that maybe I had done. I was afraid, not of dying. I was afraid of failing. And Simon Peter failed. But then comes Sunday morning. You know the story of Simon Peter. 
Yeah, he failed. But something happened at Pentecost. Something happened when the Spirit fell. When the Spirit fell on those 120, he was in that group. And when the Spirit fell, who was the first one to jump up and say, I got a message? The last time we saw Peter, literally the last time we saw him, he's at an empty tomb, but he's not sure what to think. Then he was in a locked room, literally, the day Jesus was raised from the dead. He's already seen an empty tomb, but now he's hiding from the Jews. Literally, John chapter 20 says they were behind locked doors, all the disciples, in fear of the Jews. He's afraid. But man, when that spirit fell, he was as bold as a lion. He stood up, according to Acts chapter 2, he's the one that stood on the southern steps of the Temple Mount, and he looked at the Jewish leaders and said, you crucified him. And he began to preach Jesus in the most incredible way. Acts chapter 4, they saw his boldness. And they commented, this man is bold. The Scripture says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they said, he's been with Jesus. So my question is, if Simon Peter could go through such a transformation, is it possible for every dad in this room? You bet it is. And I got a promise for you. I got a scripture for you, Dad. And you can remember the story of, of Simon Peter, but let me read this one to you. This is out of Romans 8. This is the Apostle Paul. He says, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will give you life to your mortal body and through his spirit who dwells in you. Let me translate that. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in you. And if he can move a stone, he can change your life. If he can cause the dead to come to life, the greatest miracle of all, and he's living in you. I pray he will transform you. And all of a sudden, that shyness, that intimidation, that lack of confidence, that fear, all of those things will somehow be lost. And there will be a boldness and a confidence that Jesus is in me. And I want to pray for you. So I'm going to ask every dad in the room, stand up. Every dad in the room, stand up. Balcony, down on the floor level, wherever you are, stand up. If you're on the stream, just go ahead and, and put it in the chat. Hey, let's give thanks for these guys. Now, dads, while you're standing, I just got to tell you, you cannot lead your children where you haven't been. You can't lead them where you hadn't been. Do you know Jesus? There's no way you're going to give them the greatest gift of all, and that is faith in the Lord Jesus, if you don't know him. And you'll never be that transformed, bold, confident dad until Jesus lives in you and that same spirit lives in you that lives in all of us. I want to encourage you. Put your trust in Jesus. The Bible says whoever believes, they shall be saved. You believe Jesus died on the cross and was raised on the third day? You believe that? Yeah. You believe that he is the Lord? He is the Messiah? Yep. The scripture says, then you 
will be saved. And I just want to encourage you, take that step. Above all, take that step. Then the one who walks in you is the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. And now he is living in you. We can help you. You can text us. There'll be people after the service on either side that you can go and have a conversation with. For all of us who've already made that commitment, I want to pray, God, help us to be transformed by his spirit, to be the dads that God wants us to be. Let's bow together. Father, thank you so much for your Holy Spirit. Would you help us to be the dads that you want us to be? Help us to be the fathers like our Heavenly Father. And God, give us boldness, confidence, and everything we need to be godly dads. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Hey, as you're being seated, dads, I pray you have a wonderful day. And you, you, you love the day and your family and you get to be with them. So who better? If I were giving, I used to do this in the church as I pastored. We'd always give a prize to the dad who had the most kids there. Well, I can tell you who will win it hands down in this place. And his name, he is our friend. He is our brother in Christ. He's a hero of mine because I've known about him and read about him long before I ever met him. And now getting to be his pastor is like a dream come true. Would you welcome Pat Williams hey, as he comes up? You. Come on, Pat. Bless you. Thank you, David. Come on, I'll put that down for you. Pat, I like that Hawaiian shirt. I wasn't expecting that. Well, David, uh, let me explain something to you. Uh, 36 years ago this month, we left Philadelphia and moved to Orlando. And when we got here, it was hot. <laughs> and it's still hot. Yeah. And I noticed businessmen running around every day in suits and coats and ties. And I said, man, this is, this is not going to work. And so somebody handed me an Hawaiian shirt. And uh, that's the way it's been for 36 years. And, <laughs> and, and by the way, have you ever seen uh, someone in an Hawaiian shirt having a bad day? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> nope. It can't be done. It can't so, be done. That's the Hawaiian shirt. And by the way, David... When I got here in 1986, Orlando was just a little city. Mm. I mean, it, it, was, it was just kind of, uh, and, and Jimmy Hewitt had lured me to come down here and try and bring the NBA here and become a major league sports city. And there was no skyline. There was no Universal Studios. Uh, the airport was embarrassing. And uh, <laughs> I mean, it was just unbelievable. Uh, and today, we're now the 17th largest media market in North America. We've just passed Miami. Mm. And uh, the next on the list yeah. is uh, Denver, and then comes Detroit, Minneapolis, St. Paul. We're going to catch all of them soon. Yeah. A thousand people a day are moving to Central Florida. Yeah. And that's why you see all this construction everywhere. Somewhere, somehow these people have to find a place to live. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're ready, by the way, David, to become a Major League Baseball city. Yeah. Uh, that's, there you uh, go. Yes, sir. That's, uh, that's my next project. Yeah. yeah uh, I mean, basketball's good. Soccer's good. But you're not really a, considered a Major League city until you have a Major League Baseball team. 
we're the largest media market in North America that doesn't have a big league ball club. So that's, uh, that's what we're working on. Well, thank so. you for working on it. Now, you've had another project. It's called 19 Kids. <laughs> and you've got to tell us about that. C can you give us just a little insight? David, I can. I can. We got, I was married at 32, and over the next 10 years, we had uh, three birth kids. And uh, we were trying to win a championship in Philadelphia in 83, which we eventually did. But I had a wife who was miserable. And for 10 years, she had talked about adopting children that didn't look like us, <laughs> like with almond eyes. And I, I wanted no part of that. I, I put it down. I just couldn't fathom it. But it became a huge issue, a breaking point. And so uh, we were living in uh, New Jersey, and uh, it was Christmas time. had a miserable wife. Uh, who was just uh, just not happy. And so I went to the uh, turkey farm to get our freshly slaughtered turkey for Christmas. As I'm standing in line, uh, over the, my, uh, this guy was there and he had a blanket and uh, through the little blanket uh, on his right shoulder, I saw two little almond-shaped eyes. Mm. And I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, tell me about this. He said, well, we just adopted this little girl from South Korea. I said, well, how did it happen? He said, well, we did this, that, and the other, and here's, I said, well, tell me more. Well, here's the lady's name. She's up in Trenton, New Jersey. So I went home screaming, and I said, guess what I learned? Now that my wife thought I'd been drinking. <laughs> and, uh, but we pursued it, and this lady came down, had a little grainy black and white photo, and uh, these two little girls were two and three. They'd been abandoned at a police station in mm -hmm. Seoul. And uh, we had a little family vote. The kids all said, yeah, let's do this. this. So we did it. And in September of 83, we won the title in, in uh, late May of 83. And in uh, September, these two little girls flew in, escorted by off-duty flight attendants. And uh, there they were. Now we had five children. And then Michael came along with another birth kid. Then we moved here with six kids. And uh, the whole agency uh, said one day, we, we've got a picture here of, of twin boys. Would you like to see the picture? Uh, they, they knew, uh, they, by now they knew we were, we were uh, suckers, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and we looked at the picture, and one of the boys, David, had a Mickey Mouse shirt on over oh. in Korea, and we said, that's a signal from the Lord. That, uh, <laughs> So we did it, and now we had eight children, and then a year later we learned about four brothers in the Philippines, and uh, we said, ah, oh, let's do it, you know, and so now we have 12. And then Romania fell, that uh, was quite a story, and everybody interested in adoption uh, wanted a kid from a Romania, we got two, and then we went to a, a, take a vacation in Brazil, most people go to the beach, uh, we went to orphanages, and the end result was we had four kids from Brazil. Uh, I, I was out of control, totally. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy, our oldest son, said, Dad, Dad, don't you think you could get some other families to help us with this? <laughs> and I said, Jimmy, I want a kid from every country. And he said, Dad, how about one from every continent? You know? <laughs> That's great. So uh, that, that was the story. But I, I want to just say this. Uh, international adoption is not for everyone. But if you have an adventuresome spirit, and, and if you like to live kind of as a high flyer, <clears throat> check it out. But, but here, mm. here's the most important little note. Uh, 
If one family from every church in Florida would adopt one kid, there would be no children left in the state of Florida who need a permanent home. Wow. One Amen. family yes. in every yes. church. The, the, the kids who need a home in Florida would be done. Yep. yep. So I don't know if there's a family here today, but if so, um, get on it. Yep. Check it out. And Pat, we have a ministry here called His Kids. Yes. They do a phenomenal job in walking alongside any couple who is looking into adopt, whether it be local or international. That's wonderful. It's I'm so great. pleased to hear that. So I know it's a kind of a painful part of your story, and I really had never had a conversation with you about it, but there was a season for about three years you were a single dad. <laughs> you had all the, I mean, you had 18 at the time, and you were taking care of them. Well, Tell David, us in that. the middle of all this, uh, my wife left, and, uh, and I, was, uh, I was a single dad uh, for uh, three years, three years really. Um, uh, 16 of these kids at this point were teenagers. Hmm. And there I was, single parenting, uh, tra- uh, helping to run the magic and uh, speaking and writing books. And, uh, had a, you know, we had an $80,000 a year food bill. And some, <laughs> so, so I, people ask me all the time, did you feel guilt about leaving your children? And I want to just say this, I, I, I did, like all dads. However, if I was not out there doing my job and producing the revenue mm-hmm. uh, to help these kids have a life, you know, they wouldn't have had a life. We, right. We'd have all been in the poorhouse. <laughs> and so uh, to, to dads, don't, don't apologize about your work. Mm. It, it, it's it's got to be done because without your income, the, your family won't survive. And so, uh, but then Dave, a miracle, David, a miracle happened. Uh, the Magic had a, a, a yearly retreat, and a lady came in, young lady, she sure looked young, blonde, uh, kind of saucy, and, uh, and she was teaching Stephen Covey's Seven Habits course. You know that course. And uh, boy, she was, she, was, she was animated, she was hot. And, uh, and I went up afterwards and asked if I could help her with her equipment, and I said, I have a new book out, would you like a copy of my new book? And, well, that was little Miss Ruth, and uh, for 25 years now, uh, well, I call her uh, Saint Ruth. Yeah. I mean, how many, how many women would come in and, uh, and take over the life of 18 children that she had nothing to do with? Mm. Bless <laughs> Boy. Wow. So uh, she's, uh, she, she goes here. She'll be here at 1130, uh, loves this church, loves the Lord. Still working, still teaching her, her Franklin Covey stuff. Yeah. And uh, so she's been an absolute miracle. And uh, we're, we're, God's been good. God's Amen. been good. Yes, He's been he real has. good. So let me ask you this. The Holy Spirit, we yeah. were in a series. You and I talked about this. And you had become a Christian, but there was a dawning on you about the Holy Spirit because you, you had not heard. And and I know that as you look back, you can see how the Holy Spirit directed you. I mean, you started in baseball and then pivoted. And, and so many places and times God has been there through His Spirit. Tell, tell us about the Holy Spirit and, and what He's done for you. Well, David, first of all, I'm so grateful for this series that you're teaching uh, on the Holy Spirit because I don't think we really have a good handle on it, a good grasp. 
And it really is not that complicated, mm -hmm. I don't think. I, 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 it can be if you want it to be. It's not that complicated. Let me, let me just explain. So I came to Christ. I was 27. That was 55 years ago. And it was a dramatic conversion. I was in Spartanburg running the baseball team, and all of a sudden, uh, the claims of Christ are presented. And, and by a leap of faith, you know, I said, Lord, I'm taking my hands off my life. I'm going to trust you with it. And uh, his arms came under my armpits. And he caught me, hmm. and, uh, and, and it was just a, a powerful experience. Amen. Uh, dramatic. But I didn't realize uh, that the Holy all, all I was ever going to get of the Holy Spirit came in at that moment. Hmm. There weren't going to be eight more doses <laughs> over the years and, and waiting for another movement of the Holy Spirit. No, that was it. And, hmm. and, that, and that can be very confusing to people. Mm -hmm. uh, so when you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes into your life. And, and, but um, I, I, I was aware to some degree. But David, it was some years ago when I realized that 66,000 thoughts a day are, are firing through the human brain. And I don't know where they all come from. And some of them are mm. good, but some of them are very troubling. You know, I'll be reading or following something, and all of a sudden, uh, an incident from the eighth grade will come up. Or, or a high school girlfriend will flash through my mind. And I'm thinking, where, where did that come from? I don't want that in my mind. And so here's what I've discovered. If I, if I just say, Holy Spirit, would you please clean out that thought right yes. now? Please. I don't want yes. it to fester. I don't want it to grow. I don't want it to stick around. Please. Uh, just get that out of here. And, and you know, David, in every single case, uh, day after day, incident after incident, he does it. Yep, that's right. I, I, I'm just amazed. It's gone. Yeah. And the key verse here is Philippians 4 8. Dads, we got to put that to bed in our brains. Philippians 4 8. Paul, Paul just says everything that's true and honest, just and pure, lovely, Good report, excellent, worthy of praise. Think on these things. And so there are times when I will get a little, a little upset and I will say, Satan, I, didn't, I never thought I would address him. <laughs> I said, Satan, get out of here. Just get mm -hmm. out. And, and, then, and, and then I will hit him with Philippians 4.8. Right. And he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. So, so, gang, I'm, I'm bullish on this Holy Spirit thing. That's right. And I, I, I just wish, I don't know, 50 years ago there was some real mm -hmm. teaching on it. And I guess it's all been out there, but I, yeah. I never really uh, got, got a, a full understanding of it. So what would you say But to you've dads? helped us, Dave, with, with this you. sermon, this it's, it's, series. This is good. transforming for me. This is good. It just as much. What would you say to dads? What, give... Give dads in this room, just if you had to pick one lesson. By the way, I got to tell you a story. I, I was at the Magic Game, one, one of my early days of going to Magic Games. And I was sitting up, in, up high, and Pat found out I was there. And so I look, and here he comes up the steps. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, good. I'm going to get to talk to Pat about, about the offense. We're run, and why do, we, why do we not play man all the time? And I was thinking zones and all that stuff. He gets up, sits down. I start asking him questions. He, he, he had a piece of paper, and he said, I got three questions for you, Pastor. I want you to give me three of the greatest life lessons you've ever learned. <laughs> and I'm like, what does that have to do with me? I'm, watching, <clears throat> I'm in a magic game. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. Give us three life lessons for dads. 
Uh, number one, uh, love and discipline with your children has to be balanced. Uh, years ago, David, we had dinner with uh, Bill Bright of Campus Crusade when he was moving here, and he wanted to know all about our children, and we gave him a full rundown on how disciplined our home is and how tightly run it is, and he listened, and then he said, but don't forget the love. <laughs> I can still hear Bill Bright, don't forget the love. So love and discipline have to be balanced. Number two, uh, take your kids to church even though they don't want to. And as they got older, oh boy, it was a, it was a struggle getting them out of bed on Sunday morning. Uh, there is a battle with young people every Sunday morning between the, the bed and the pew. It, it's, it's an intense battle. It's a and war. It's a war. And, and, uh, and, and so often, left alone, the, the bed will win out. Uh, yeah. But, but uh, we would drag them down, this, down the stairs and throw them into the airport van we had and get them to church. And, uh, and we're seeing good results. You know, Karen, we did a lot of dragging with Karen, I'm sure, but uh, it, it, it pays off. Get them to the church house. And while we're at it on that subject, um, I'm, I'm big on Christian school. I am big on Christian school. Let, let me tell you what happened with two of our twin boys. They're, they're not, they don't live here, uh, third graders. They came home uh, with an assignment to have their parents read to them a book about um, uh, I've Got Two Mommies. They're third grade. This is where Governor DeSantis is in the middle of this picture. And I said to my, my son, I said, get them to the Christian school next fall immediately. And Steve Whitaker made it happen. Uh, Steve got on the horn and, and, and made it work. Amen. And they'll be in the Christian school as fourth graders this year. I don't want to get into all that yeah. unnecessarily, but, but I'm saying I, I'm, I, I keep your kids in Christian school if you can. I mean, work extra jobs, you know, do mow lawns, uh, do dishes at a restaurant, whatever it takes. Uh, and, and the first academy here, I cannot ever say enough about it. We have 10 grandkids in first academy right now, ten. David. Wow. Ten, 10 grandkids. And number three, <laughs> number three, a spot in your children as soon as you can uh, what special skill, talent, or interest they have. Dr. Jim Dobson calls it the red thread theory. Uh, coursing through every life of every person are red threads. That, that would indicate a skill or an interest or a talent or a passion. And, and, and uh, you find that. You find that as soon as you can. And then, and then fuel it. Feed it. And, and it takes one great skill, dads, one enormous talent, and that is the ability to drive a vehicle. Back and forth to Little League, to gymnastics, to theater, to the science center. I mean, on and on it goes. And, and, if, and if you're not willing to do that or have it done, the kid just sits at home and, and plays video games. Yep. And, or, or, or wanders out into the neighborhood and can get in trouble. Yep. 
Uh, so it takes parents to, who are absolutely committed to get the kid to the place where they can learn, where, where they're excited to be. They want to be a ball player, they want to be a gymnast, or they want to be a flute player, or they, but you got to get them there. And, and one other thing, David, yeah. to, I say to dads, hug the daylights out of your kids. Just hug the yeah. daylights out of them. Just hug them, big time. When Karen came home Thursday, I must have, I must have hugged her for 10 solid minutes. Hug them to death. You can never tell them uh, enough times that you love them. And, uh, and you can never do enough times to encourage them and praise them and uplift them and, and stimulate them by saying, listen, you can never praise your kids enough. It doesn't have to be made up. Right. It's got to be realistic. But we all need words of praise, yeah. empowerment, <clears throat> encouragement. So, Pat, you've had a lot of legacy that you're leaving, a lot of accomplishments. One of those things is this incredible commitment to reading, hmm. getting your kids to read, and helping kids to read. Danny mentioned a ministry early on about need to read, and I know you're partnered in that. Yes. You also have given to us a library that Pat personally owned and has read. I know you're going to ask this question because you're going to get a chance to go see it. You're going to say, he hadn't read all these books. Yes, he has. <laughs> he has. I, I can tell you that. And they're his friends. And he can tell you about books. There's one up there that's on my end of the hall where I come in every day to come to the office. And the title of the book is Taste Like Chicken. <laughs> and I'm like, surely he hadn't read that one. Yes, he has. He's read them all. <laughs> he just believes that reading opens up your mind to truth that God wants to give you. Now, my favorite book, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, he writes too. And he's written, what, 120? Is that, did I get that number right? 120. Yeah. I, I personally like, I mean, all of them are incredible. The books about John Wooden may be my favorite, but I don't know. This one is just a simple book, Humility. It's an incredible book on teaching us the most important. I mean, after all, Jesus said, if you want to be first, be last. If you want to be great, be a servant of all. And I just think you did an incredible Thank job. You, and today we're going to be able to see that library and to be a part of Need to Read. Danny, come on up and tell us about that. Hey, I want you to help me thank Pat Williams for what he's, uh, he's done today. David. Guys, just one last thing. Uh, I do want you to come up and see the library. There are over 25,000 books there uh, that we have uh, donated, and the church has done so much. I mean, you're going to be really pleased to see it. Uh, if not, head to Long's Bookstore right out here. Two of my favorite books are there. They're discounted. I think you can get both of these for 15 bucks. Character Carved in Stone, Revolutionary Leadership, and... Men, if you're struggling with your Bible study, which all men do, I mm. think, you've got to get yep. a, a Bible teaching book, a Bible study book. And there are many good ones out there, but this one is the hottest one. It's called Life Application Study Bible, and it explains every verse. You know, so when you're reading your Bible and don't get something, well, it, it's all there, clearly explained to you. And, and I know the bookstore has a bunch of these. You, you yep. want to make sure you get it. Amen. It'll change the way you study Amen. your Bibles. Amen. Thank you, Pat. Okay. Hey, help me thank Pat Williams. Thanks again for listening to the First Orlando Podcast. 
for more information like our service times, location, and other contact information, be sure to visit us online at firstorlando.com. Have a great week.